Engaging Leader, Episode 89, The Power of Brevity, featuring Bill Holston. Leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Some of the most memorable speeches and documents have been much shorter than the norm. Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address was only two or three minutes long, and yet we remember it much better than the other speaker that day, Edward Everett, who spoke for two hours. John F. Kennedy's famous inaugural address, when he asked, when he said, ask not what your country can do for you, that was only 15 minutes long, one of the shortest up to that point in history. And TED Talks have taken the world by storm with a maximum length of 18 minutes. Given the impact of brevity, it's amazing that so many business leaders today insist on making long presentations and writing long documents and communications. Our guest today has discovered the power of brevity firsthand. He's the executive director of a nonprofit, and as you can guess, a big part of his position involves spreading the word about his organization's mission and asking people to donate money. He's found that being short but memorable has made a real difference in those goals. Today we're going to hear his story and some of the specifics about why he's been so successful. Bill Holston is executive director of the Human Rights Initiative of North Texas. In 2012, he left his law practice of 30 years to lead this nonprofit organization that provides pro bono legal services for people who come to the United States seeking asylum from political or religious persecution, or from abusive relationships or other reasons. Well, you're definitely going to hear more about that and also how Bill has used brevity to make such a difference in that organization. But let's get into the meat of it right now. Bill Holston, welcome to Engaging Leader. Thanks so much, Jesse. It's great to talk to you today. Bill, you had, even before becoming executive director of the Human Rights Initiative, you already had figured out the power of brevity. Can you tell us how that happened? Yes, I was a lawyer for 30 years, and I was a trial lawyer, so I, I tried uh, cases in uh, state and federal court, jury trials, non-jury trials. And over time, uh, I would go and I'd talk to our uh, juries after a trial was over, and one of the things I almost always heard from them, because I asked them to give me constructive criticism about our presentation, and they would uh, say, yeah, we got your point the first time, and they they would uh, complain about um, the fact that you know, I've been repetitious. So it's hearing that, and also on those occasions where a judge would say to me, for instance, okay, you have an hour to do your case um, and do, give it your best. And what you would do is you would, all these things that you might think were possibly relevant, you just deleted all of those and you went straight to the, the heart of the matter in your testimony just to fit into the time the judges gave you. And then I, after doing that a few times, I realized that with some discipline, uh, you can, your, your presentations are actually more powerful if you can take out all of that extraneous stuff and just concentrate on the, on the meat. So you found that when you were forced to be shorter, you were actually, it seemed like a, a constraint that would cause problems, but you started to notice that you were actually more persuasive 
and had a greater impact with juries. That's right. And in, 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 there were times where I would have an oral argument with a judge, and I'd say, Your Honor, I remember this one time uh, I, I started and I said, Your Honor, uh, I don't want to repeat myself, so I won't. And thank you very much. And I sat down. And the, you know, judges told me later when when you when I did that <clears throat> that it was uh, they really appreciated it because it, it you know otherwise you're just wasting their time. Yeah, that's something. And then you were volunteering with Human Rights Initiative, and, uh, and before you were an executive director, you were asked to give a speech uh, at a at a Pachaska event. And you basically put this power of brevity into use to talk about, for the first time, the, this uh, nonprofit organization. Right. So Pachachka um, is some friends of mine here in Dallas have the license to use it. It started in, in Japan with a couple of designers, Astrid Klein and Mark uh, Ditham. And they found that architects and designers, when they were making presentations, would get up and they would just go on and on uh, talking about things that they found interesting, and it wound up being boring. So they came up with this presentation format that forced people to use 20 PowerPoint slides, 20 seconds a slide. Uh, and so my friend that had the license to do Pachatska here called me and said, Bill, uh, I'd like you to come and, and talk, and you can talk about anything you want to. You've got a lot of things that you're interested in. And I chose to talk about the work that I was already doing with HRI, which was representing asylum seekers. So I put together these 20 PowerPoint slides, and um, and it was a lot of work. I mean, it's 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 a ton of work. It's a lot more work to be brief than it is to go on and on. Um, I think about that great quote from Mark Twain. He said, I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I wrote a long one instead. <laughs> That's very true. And so I had spoken before about a human rights initiative, but I've never been forced to be that brief before. And I, and I spoke to, a, I don't know, the audience must have been about two or 300 people. And it was an extremely strong emotional response from the audience. And my son, my youngest son, was sitting there. He was 20 at the time, and he came, and he, you know, I've been doing this work for 20 years, so he knew all about it. He'd seen me. He'd gone to trials with me, and he came up to me, and he was almost in tears. And he said, "Man, that was just so people's reaction to that." And I realized that part of it was because I had been forced to remove everything extraneous and tell people's stories um, in, in just a few words. And the fact that I didn't go into great detail on those stories, actually, uh, not only did it not detract from its, um, its power, I think it added to it. Now, a lot of people, especially a lot of business leaders, would say, my gosh, 20 slides, 20 seconds per slide, that's only about three minutes long. There's no way I can get across the important information and concepts that I have in only three minutes. What do you say to that concern? Well, I'd say a couple things. First is, I'd say give it a shot uh, and see. You may, if, you may be surprised how much of your story you can tell in three minutes. And then the other thing I'd say is, you know, there, there, there are exceptions to every rule. I mean, there are 
you know, academic topics that you can't describe adequately in three minutes. But if what you're trying to do is to do a persuasive speech um, about a topic, I think it's. I think almost every almost every topic that you could that I could think of could be done in three or four minutes. Wow, that's amazing. Well, let's get a little bit bottom line oriented here. You recently spoke at a church. You were invited to speak to a church group about the Human Rights Initiative and basically a direct appeal for money to for people to support the, the mission there. So you have this opportunity to speak to a group and appeal for money and you use the the power of brevity and the power of stories and it, it was extremely successful in terms of the financial impact, wasn't it? Yeah, the pastor told me um, you have three minutes and we really encourage you to stick within that. Uh, thankfully, I'm, I'm accustomed to doing it and so I did. And I told um, I told I think three different stories and used just a couple sentences from each of those. Um, and I could tell people were riveted by that. I had, uh, this is not my church. I talked to a friend that attends the church and he said people found it very powerful. And we were, we raised, uh, over $4,000, uh, from the, from the church from this just short presentation. That's amazing to, to have such a short commitment there and have that big of a of a support response and in addition it's i think when you prove that you can speak and do it well in 3 minutes you're more likely to be invited back to that church in the future as well as to be invited to speak at other churches and organizations when they find that oh he doesn't take very long and he's really good people love him yeah, I think so. And, you know, most of us, uh, the fact is our, our attention spans are really short. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why a lot of churches stick with a homily of about 15 or 20 minutes, because people's attention span is about that. Um, and after that, you really start repeating yourself. Would you mind just kind of giving the whole speech to us? Uh, because, I mean, three minutes won't take long, and what better way to illustrate what we're talking about? No, I'm happy to. And then I think after you do that, we can talk, we can just point out, okay, so what was it about that that works? And then uh, we can give a few pointers in how other people can, can be brief as far basically how you, how you did that. Okay. Imagine for a moment that you're Luis, a gay man from El Salvador. The very men who are supposed to uh, have protected him abducted and sexually assaulted him. Or Victoria, a college student from Gambia, whose family wished to arrange a marriage to a 70-year-old man and subject her to the brutal practice of female genital mutilation. Or Jose, a 14-year-old boy from El Salvador, who prefers his church and schoolwork to membership in the Maras, a violent street gang. And for his resistance, they slit his throat and left him for dead. Our Christian, an aid worker from Zimbabwe, tortured by government thugs because he is doing his job delivering food. I realize these are not pleasant stories, but there is really good news. All of these people now live safely in America because of the free legal help they receive from Human Rights Initiative. Now imagine what it would be like for these survivors of violence and trauma to navigate our complex legal system without a lawyer. 
statistics tell us that would have had virtually no chance of refuge here, but to be returned to almost certain death. And since 1999, HRI has been giving hope to some of those vulnerable people in America, immigrant survivors of violence. In last fiscal year, we provided almost $4 million in free legal services with an intrepid staff of only 10 by using a network of volunteers, including great lawyers like my friend Alan, who attends this church. I hope you'll be part of what we're doing at HRI, where in the words of the late Irish poet Seamus Haney, history says don't hope on the side of the grave, but then once in a lifetime, the longed-for tidal wave of justice can rise up and hope and history rhyme. And with your generous financial help, we will continue to make hope and history rhyme every day. Wow. That is very powerful. And, and with that, people willingly opened up their pocketbooks. They did. And I think they were more inclined to do it because we didn't waste their time. And you can see from those examples of those stories, you know, I say there's a lot of information in a single sentence. When I say Victoria, a college student from Gambia, whose family wished to arrange a marriage to a 70-year-old man and subject her to the brutal practice of female genital mutilation, well, you almost don't even want to hear any more details about that, mm-hmm. right? I've, I've, I've made the point about, about the danger. And then in a, in a single paragraph, I talk about the efficiency of our program. Uh, I've got statistics in there about how, how much in free legal services we give. Uh, how big our staff is, uh, and I even have a poem. And I, and, I, and I didn't use, I don't think that used the entire three minutes. And you didn't even use any of those uh, those uh, lawyer terms that you normally would throw around. No, we try to uh, <laughs> try to avoid jargon if I can. <laughs> I mean, there's a great example of that. I mean, you know, when you're filing a legal brief with a court, you know, it's, First of all, it's ironic that it's called a brief. <laughs> Lawyers have tended to get longer and longer winded. And, 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 you know, that's another point, Jesse. It, it, one of the things that I saw, I practiced law for 30 years. When I started practicing law, there were no personal computers. People, there were no word processors. People weren't using typewriters to type these things. And the advent of the ease of word processing has caused all of these documents to get longer and longer. And in my view, less and less impactful. Hmm. So one reason brevity works, I would say, just to reiterate something you actually said earlier, is that it forces you as the speaker or writer to be disciplined and clarify what your key point is. So you got if you if you know you only have three minutes, or you say I'm I'm only going to take fifteen minutes, which is still a pretty short speech in, in for or presentation. In a, in a lot of business settings, if you force yourself to stay in that time commitment, it 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 makes it really clarifies what's the most important stuff I got to get across, and let's let's get to it. You know, the other thing is that it it forces you to avoid things that are particularly boring. You can't go into a lot of uh, technical detail of of something. And you can't uh, tell a long-winded story. I mean, there's less opportunity to actually make mistakes um, when you're when you're forced to be brief. Another reason I think it works, and you and I are both familiar with Carmine's book that just came out, um, Talk Like Ted, who we just interviewed a, a couple episodes ago. He pointed out that brevity works because it prevents what he calls, or what researchers call, cognitive backlog. 
and this is from the listener's perspective or the audience perspective, where when you've just put too much information out there and you're heaping on details, the the listener gradually stops paying attention and certainly stops being able to remember because it's actually mentally draining. It takes mental work to organize this information and comprehend it and certainly to remember it. I think we've probably lost sight of the whole point of uh, speech. I mean, it's supposed to be persuasive and impactful. Uh, we're, we're, we're supposed to be asking people to do something. It's really not. And, I, and frankly, I think this is one of the places where lawyers in particular are uh, maybe up there with preachers in terms of ignoring this to their peril is they just they they grow fond of the sound of their own voice and they just go on and on and it's um, they've forgotten uh, they've forgotten to think about the impact of their long-windedness on their audience exactly yeah and then besides when again, from the audience perspective, when you're done talking, what are they going to do? If you only speak for three minutes, your audience still has enough energy and brain power left that they can think about it, they can talk to other people, share your ideas, and they can take action. But if you talk so long and basically wear them out, use up all their mental energy, they're just glad you're done, and they're they've zoned out. They they are tired of thinking about that topic. You're not leaving them wanting more. That's for sure. Yeah, I think the the last point is the uh, is the best one is that a that's not only have you left them uh, wanting more, you've maybe left some space that you haven't explained everything for them. Maybe they still have some questions, and they've got places for for their own imagination and their own uh, thought process. You haven't forced them to think a certain way. You've just presented facts and and asked them to do something, and there's space there for them to continue to think about it. What advice would you have for someone who you've convinced them, okay, I need to start being briefer in my presentations and other communications, uh, how should how should someone prepare a, a talk in, in a way that can be brief? Well, I think the the first thing is to is to ask yourself what is the point you want to make and and make it in just a few sentences. Uh, you know, I just I, I just had this experience last weekend with a friend who told me he was uh, running for city council. And I said, well, tell me in just two minutes what it is you hope to accomplish. And he stopped, and he started two or three times to answer the question. And he finally said, you know, that's a really good question. I think I need to think about it. And so that's the place to start is to, is to give serious thought to your, to your point um, and then to create an outline and then just get started. And I, this is actually important, not just with speeches, but you think about like an elevator pitch or a mission statement or anything where you're trying to get across something and, and you realize that brevity is important to just have a very crisp main point. And a lot of people like to use what we could call a message map. And and your typical message map is going to encourage you. What's, what's your main point? And then what are your three 
a lot of times they encourage you to just use three things that are going to support that. And in fact, I, I, I actually put together a video a while back uh, that I called the using the 133 message map. And I'll put a link in our show notes to that. And there's a template that goes along with that. But it's, it's similar. You call it an outline, but it, uh, a message map sort of helps you do that format. One one main point and then three uh, three supporting points and then up to three little things that are going to support each of those those three items. So you're not going on and on about each of the supporting topics. Actually, the most challenging thing when I was preparing my Pachowska uh, presentation was not uh, getting it down to uh, three or four minutes. It was how to do it visually. I, I had um, because of the nature of the work. You know, we work with torture survivors. We work with children. We work with immigrant uh, survivors of domestic violence. They're not. This is not a group of people who want their pictures taken, and or groups hmm. of people who want their names used. I, the stories I gave a minute ago, I'm, those are all pseudonyms. So uh, I struggled with that, and uh, I'm, I don't. I'm not keen on kind of cheesy graphics either. And so I came up with the idea of uh, taking pictures of things in my office uh, as uh, as graphics to illustrate the stories because over the years uh, I've had I've represented clients from 20 different countries and I've accumulated a lot of stuff here in my office and so I took pictures I have a a, a papyrus from an Egyptian Coptic Christian I have a wall hanging from a pole worker in Togo I've got some Russian stacking eggs from a Russian Jew um, I've got some Ethiopian money Zimbabwean money and, uh, and and I just took photos of those, and that's what I used as, as graphics to tell the stories. The other thing is not even in terms of what goes on the screen, but you also did a nice job when you did that pachatska of with the jacket that you wore, which uh, came from one of your clients. And it, 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 in our culture, it really stands out. So it was. And you used humor well, too, because you uh, you kicked it off by saying, I'm Bill Holston, and, and I'm a jacket model, and got everybody la- laughing. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. I had represented uh, this young man. He was a pastor from uh, Burma. Uh, he was a, a, from the Chin ethnic group. And I tried his case in an immigration court, and he had been, he and a coworker had been teaching pro-democracy um, classes in, in his region of Burma. And they were arrested, and his uh, friend was actually – they were both caught at the airport uh, by the military, and he managed to escape, and his friend didn't. His friend was executed. So when we went to court, he and his friends – he had a number of supporters there with him, and they all came in wearing these really beautiful, intricate, but very bright uh, clothing from their tradition, their traditional clothing, and but they had fashioned them into you know Western style jackets. So after the trial, I, I told my class, "Man, I love that jacket." And a few weeks later, one appeared in my office, and so I thought, "Well, I'll just I'll make myself a visual aid." So I wore the jacket. And it's very bright red. <laughs> gold. I mean, it's very very bright and. Um, and it got a lot of comments from people just before the talk, being like, "Man, where did you get that jacket?" And uh, so it it uh, it actually uh, was a great 
way to illustrate it just uh, kind of the ethnic diversity of the clients we've seen over the years. And very memorable. Well, and for our listeners who'd like to see that jacket, or if you'd like to see the, the whole video of Bill's uh, Pachachka delivered in Dallas, we will provide a link to that in our show notes as well. Again, it's only three minutes long and well worth your time. One other point that I still remember from when we talked to Carmine Gallo, and he was very hot on the rule of three, both as something that helps organize a talk, but also forces you to be short. And he, he talked about having three stories or examples and having them all connected by a, a central point. So there, you've got a central point, like you said, and then the three stories or examples sort of help make your points for you. And it, I'm trying to remember when you just gave us the uh, shared with us the talk that you gave at the at the church. I don't remember exactly how many stories you you told at the beginning, but uh, it was pretty close to three, wasn't it? Let's see. It was. It was four. Four. Uh, you broke the rule. <laughs> but I remember that point from uh, from when you interviewed him, and it and and to be honest, I'd never thought about that before, um, and and I haven't given a talk since then. So I'm gonna I'm gonna experiment with that. I was. Um, I chose four here because I was tr- I was trying to illustrate four different types of cases. Um, I wanted to there are people that are interested in uh, the rights of uh, gay and transgender people. There are people that are interested in uh, gender issues. Uh, there are people that are in- then there was a. Um, a story about uh, one of the young boys, which uh, that's one of our, our one of our programs deals with uh, unaccompanied minors from Central America fleeing gang violence, and the last was political persecution. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the reason I, I told four stories because I was trying to tell stories that corresponded to different types of work we were doing. That makes sense. Now he might. I'm going to guess that Carmine might say, "Well, this was a good example where." The, the three helps people remember it, and the very fact that Jesse couldn't remember how many how many stories you told illustrates that maybe, who knows, I'm, I'm forgetful anyway, maybe if, if you had told three stories, I, I, I would have been uh, remembered well enough to, to repeat them, actually repeat them back to you. But it's still, you, you use, I think, you, whether you do the three, rule of three or not, that's just one tactic that can be helpful. It helps uh, people get their head around it because it's a, an easy number to hang on to. But well, you may have reasons to deviate from it, but you do it at your peril. So you, you, mm-hmm. it's probably one of those things where uh, it's what you should try to do and you should have a really good reason if you want to deviate from it. But the story, whether you do follow the rule of three or not, the, the fact that you give stories um, or at least examples is really helpful too, because you can use, take up a lot of time to try to get an idea across. But when you just bring it, make it very concrete, you can. You're not describing all the different types of work that you do, and there's a lot of nuances and everything. But boy, if you got people to understand three or four things that your organization does through a concrete story, that's that's worth a lot. Well, the fact is, this you know, I mentioned a young man who is an aid worker for Zimbabwe. Well, the documents that we filed with the asylum office for his case were maybe 15 pages. I mean, there, his story was 
very detailed in terms of numbers of arrests and torture that he he went under and the details of that torture. He's he, he, when you're filing legal documents, you have to do that. Uh, he's legally required to go into that great detail, but. If I had told that whole story, or if I'd read that 15-page affidavit, or even a, uh, you know, let's say four, three pages of that, it would have been much less impactful for people. They would get all bogged down to the de- of the details of what happened to him, as opposed to the to the essential truth, which was this was a young man who was an aid worker and he experienced torture, and we helped him, which is actually everything that somebody needs to know when they're considering whether they want to give us money. Hmm. Well, Bill, can you, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for the work that you and your staff is doing. It's amazing how much legal services you're providing with only 10 people on staff there and the difference that you're making in people's lives. How can people find out more about the Human Rights Initiative of North Texas? Well, we have a website, um, which is pretty thorough. We, we're on Facebook and Twitter, so if you'll uh, Google Human Rights Initiative of North Texas, you'll, you'll find all of those. We have a, uh, our website address is hrionline.org. Uh, we have stories on there. We have a video of one of our clients. Excellent. I really appreciate the the value of the, of, of your website and the podcast. I mean, I'd love to say, you know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a guy who didn't have I'm a lawyer. I had no training in in how to manage or lead a staff, and and so this kind of resource is really valuable to me. I listen to the podcast in the morning when I'm walking. Oh, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Well, Bill Holston, thank you for joining us on Engaging Leader. My pleasure. Thank you, Jesse. All right, Engagers, just a quick recap of what we talked about today. We discussed three reasons why brevity works. Number one, it forces you as the speaker or writer to be disciplined and clarify what your main point is. Number two, it prevents the audience from having cognitive backlog. That's when there's just too much information piling on for them that they have to work so hard they stop being able to remember what you said or even stop wanting to pay attention. And finally, number three, the reason why brevity works is it leaves your listeners or readers with energy and brain power. So they actually can, when you're done talking, they think about the information, they share ideas, and they act on them. Bill and I also discussed four tips for being brief yet powerful. One, we talked about being very clear about your main point. Number two, use an outline or message map. Number three, follow the rule of three. And number four, as I break the rule of three, number four is use stories or examples to make a concrete point faster than abstract explanations. Now, on our show notes for this web for this episode, we are going to provide the resources that we talked about today. There's a link to a message map video and template. We'll also provide a link so you can find out more if you're interested about Pachachka. Uh, We'll also provide a link to a a very inspiring story that Bill Holston wrote about his experience moving from private practice to the nonprofit world. I think you might be interested in that. And we'll also provide the rest of Bill's uh, contact information for the Human Rights Initiative of of North Texas. And finally, uh, a lot of our points, several of our points today for why brevity works and how to be brief came out of that book, that we mentioned by Carmine Gallo called Talk Like Ted, Three Secrets 
to radically improve your presentations. And uh, actually, I interviewed Carmine back on episode 87 of Engaging Leaders. So we'll provide a link back to that episode. And uh, that also has links to Carmine's contact information and that book if you're interested. You can find all that information on our show notes at engagingleader.com forward slash 89 as in episode 89. And while you're on the show notes page, you can engage with us by providing your thoughts or questions in the comments section or by clicking the red send voicemail button. You can also engage with us at facebook.com forward slash engaging leader or on Twitter where I am at Jesse Leahy. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, J.J. Leahy, our video and web intern, Rick Terrence, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of each opportunity to engage the people we care about.